Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back to a Veterans Podcast, everybody. I'm excited you're with me. It is evening time here in Wisconsin, and we are recording a super awesome episode today. Um, I am actually going to be interviewing my old executive officer from the ship that I was on prior to going to shore duty, prior to getting out. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. Um, He also, like every other veteran we've had, has such a unique story, and so I think it's going to be really awesome to have him. Um, And as always, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at A Veterans Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether guard, reserve, active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. All right, let me get them on the line. Oh, Brian. Hi, Brian. It's Kelsey. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm great. How are you doing, Kelsey? I'm wonderful. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I was just telling the listeners before I got you on that I'm excited to interview you because I think your story is going to be really great. Well, fantastic. I'm glad we uh, reconnected a couple old shipmates here. I love what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's cool. Like I, I see people on LinkedIn and stuff and I'm like, man, look at all these people doing really great things and so it's just excited to connect. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Good. So Good. I'm what, just. What? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope. No. Go ahead. Okay. You lead the way. Um. So my first question is, why did you join the military, and any specific reason why you chose the Navy? Oh, great question. Um. So my grandfather uh, was a retired. Chief Petty Officer Corman, uh, World War II, and then got to stay in and did Korea with the Marines. He did 20 years. And then my dad joined, and he's a retired master chief. He did 30 years. And those guys, and then my uncle, my dad's little brother, 13 years different, he joined, and they look like they're just having so much fun. And I grew up, like, in the 80s, right? So this Top Gun, this is the, the Reagan Navy, the 600 Navy, that shared dancing around on a battleship, right? 
Mm-hmm. So it's just like the Navy was the thing. And then, uh, so I knew I wanted to join the Navy. I'm very, very patriotic. I grew up on Navy bases. I lived in Navy houses, uh, Charleston, uh, Groton, you know, Kittery, Maine, uh, Great Lakes, Illinois. Uh, so, and then we moved out to San Diego when I was in high school, like 1986, when Top 30 came out, we moved to Oceanside where the, the house was. So it was just, it was in front of me all the way. And then I just decided to take a little bit of a different path and I sought a uh, commission. I first obtained uh, an appointment to the Naval Academy and then I got a commission and I wanted to be on shift. Well, actually, originally I wanted to be on submarines. My dad was on a submarine. When I was a kid for a little while, and I just I still think submarines are really cool. Oh my but, goodness! Uh, well, I don't I don't know I'll that admit, I could do my, the sub. It's tough. My little brother, he uh, went the sub route, and uh, he was a senior chief, and he retired. So he said about twenty four. We retired the same year. He did twenty four, and I did twenty one. Uh, we had a little retirement party together. So he he had a great time in the boat. He was non nuclear. For the officers, you have to go nuke, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'll admit my grades weren't the greatest <laughs> coming out of college. So I, I, didn't, I didn't get nuclear drafted uh, that year. So and looking back on it uh, as a surface warfare officer, as a ship guy, that was like the best thing that ever happened. I, went, I would go to shore duties and meet my submarine buddies. And I'm like, hey, I'm in Port Richard, uh, Cape Canaveral. Oh, okay. Well, I just did a deployment to the Mediterranean where I had like 14 port visits in six months. Yeah. And then I did a... Uh, a tour around Japan for uh, a year, and you know, I can't even count how many visits I did there. So you join the Navy to see the world, but not in a tube, right? Yeah. However, I will say <laughs> the stuff, submariners earn every nickel of bonus money that they get paid. And they do an exciting job, and it's a tough job, and, and I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah, I'd, I just don't know that I could do the not seeing the outside for extended periods of time. There's something about just the sunset at sea. That I think but makes it were, all worthwhile. <laughs> you were a DC man. You, you live below deck. I I know, but I I still got to peek out and see the sun every once in a while. So good point. Good point. I, hey, I know when we were serving in uh, Chancellorsville together, there were probably a few days. I didn't unless I pulled up the bridge yeah. to talk to the captain. <laughs> I think there were a lot of days I just didn't see the sun. I was buried under paperwork or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was. It was good. You know, hey, is this the 10 year anniversary of Tomodachi? I know. It's so crazy to me. I can't believe that 10 years ago. We were, we were on, for the listeners, uh, Kelsey and I were on uh, Chancellorsville, and our ship was like the first one to report uh, for that event. So it was the earthquake slash tsunami slash nuclear meltdown. And we had just left Saipan uh, about, I think we were only a day or two out. Mm-hmm. When that happened, and we got the orders, you know, proceed north to send out now and now get up there. And the carrier, you know, remember they were late getting on deployment. Yeah, so they just they just caught up with us, and then they had to head up there with us. That was such a crazy time. Like I, I often think about that deployment, like more than anything else in my Navy career. And I swear to you, I can still remember every moment of that whole Operation Tomodachi. It's just the... Well, yours, you should, because your division, you know, really had to point to it as the DC men, you know, the HT, the, 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 the folks, the men and women who owned the radioactive. who you guys had the um, countermeasure washdown system. You owned all that. It was like everything you went to school for, mm-hmm. you actually practiced, right? And then, and then some, because they yeah. were, you know, every day was a new problem set 
that I mean, I went to DCA uh, school when I was an intern. I don't know what's up in this. <laughs> and even our command master chief was a nuke, right? Thomas Moore, what a yeah. great leader he is. And, you know, he was like, hey, there's me coming off the carrier. His buddy's over there. The nukes on the carrier. We don't, we don't feel in, in numbers that high. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and the, the hardest part, I think, for us, besides, you know, keeping the water on, I guess, you know, drink fresh water, was just, maintaining a sense of calm and confidence, uh, you know, we'd, we'd go, me and the captain and the team and the captain would go up every night and talk about what's happening and, and just, you know, just presenting a, a, we're doing good stuff, the crew's doing great, we're out here doing a great mission and, and no matter what, we're going to make it. And my wife's calling me in California, <laughs> hey honey, something going on out there? Yeah. <laughs> Is your nuclear cloud on top of you? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Don't worry about it. We're fine. <laughs> Just yeah. Trying, trying to keep the home front. So I I, I, I journaled. I, I should probably pull that out here in a, in a day or two and look at it. Because I journaled that whole deployment. And uh, I, I know I was never more proud to be on any ship with any crew than I was with you guys uh, at that moment in time in that, in that point of history. That was that was good stuff. Yeah, it was, it was definitely... Um, you know, when I went to CBR school, C school, I never thought I'd ever use anything I learned at that school. <laughs> and then it was right there the whole time. But I never thought I would be at MOP level four <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, goodness. With a, you know, GQ, we're doing, you know, max speed, flake two, trying to go through a nuclear fallout cloud. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everybody's like, Banging the canisters to get those those filters out. Oh, I know. So they could put them on their mask. I never thought I'd, I'd do like a real mop level four, because you do those the, the annual CBR drills and mm-hmm. wrap a whole ship up and try to knock it out in a five or six hours. But you know, I never thought we'd be getting two o'clock yeah. in the oh, morning. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I forget when that was over. <laughs> Captain Haggerty calls me. He's like, "XO, I don't know what's on the POD tomorrow, but take it off." <laughs> <laughs> For real, it was oh goodness. But it it really we was an amazing crew. It was such an amazing it, yeah. crew. Yeah, you guys had uh, you know wonderful LPOs. The, the chief mess was top notch. And, mm-hmm. and if, for, if there's any chiefs that I served with in other ships that are listening, I'm sorry, but man, that Chancellorsville <laughs> chief mess was fantastic. They were the best. They they were so good. And, and there were a lot of just really fine officers in there. I mean, Daniel Seppo. He, he he stands out of my mind. He did so much. Uh, Michelle Morgan, uh, the chief engineer, I think she's uh, either in command now or going to command. Mm-hmm. So you you guys were served very well by your leadership. I mean, what can you say about Captain Iron Mike Haggerty? Oh, I know. Holds it all together. Best best <laughs> CEO ever. <laughs> yep, he, he was good. I was I was very fortunate to, to have that ship at that time with, with that crew and, and, and that captain. And when 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 you know, Master Chief Moore came on board and just, you know, it was like the last piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. sort of fell in place and, and I, we were ready to go on deployment. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was a, such a good crew. I, I really like that since that was my last ship I served on, I think, I, you know, it checked all the boxes for me. When you talk about joining the Navy and you talk about like this time that you're going to serve, that ship definitely checked all those blocks. So it was, it was a good. And you're. Your CCA uh, in Sonolina, mm-hmm. he was fantastic. And that was the only one that um, 
with the cash and trust with the rest. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Any Chancellorsville jails that are listening to this? Sorry. Yeah, it was her. Right. I mean, everybody knew. It was, it was, there, there was an alpha uh, mentality where we had a, an H18 mentality on that ship, and she was it. It was her and I on every uh, unrep. There was, I'll never forget that night where it was the blizzard. Oh, <laughs> you know, goodness. We, yeah, three ships connected, and then the, the cargo ship calls over and says, hey, we got to turn. There's a there's a semi-truck in the middle of the ocean that we're about to smack into. We need to... Because as a J.O., when you go to ship handling school, you train to maybe do a connected turn with just two ships, but I've never heard a connected turn with two ships oh in a gosh. blizzard at night. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> I looked at her. She she said she was singing the song in her head, Come on, Eileen, yeah. in order to just like maintain the distance. Yeah. Captain said he looked at us. We just saw like two black holes where our eyes were. <laughs> uh, and that was another night when it was over. He said, I don't know what's going on tomorrow, but take it off the field. Yeah, for real. <laughs> that was definitely one for the books. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And that one. You talk about things that you remember that I'm, I'm, I'll probably forget my kids' names, but I'm never going to forget that night Yeah. when I have Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm just glad we made it through mostly unscathed. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't lose a sailor. Uh, a couple of them had to leave early for other reasons. Uh, we never sent a sit rep off the ship uh, for uh, any thing, any incidents that happened ashore. So, as the XO, I was really proud of that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did that it. Was, Successful. That was like, good. I, it got to the point towards the end of that deployment, we get ready to pull the port, and, you know, I got to go down and give that, that liberty brief. And I just looked at you guys, you know, I don't need to say anything to this crew. They, they know how to handle themselves. They're all professionals. I, I almost felt insulted having to go down there and, and do it. But it was like a fleet mandated thing that you want to go brief your crew. Like, no, they're grown-ups. Yeah. <laughs> We've been together for seven months. Nobody's done anything dumb, you know, that I had to report. And, and so, you know, they're fine. They're going to go to the beach and do some well-deserved liberty and, and come back and everybody's going to behave and, and just be great. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was. You know, never was I ever let down by, by anybody in the crew. And, and conversely, I hope that, the, you know, the, the, the khaki never let the crew down. That, that was the thing we were trying to live up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and it was think of, the leadership yeah. made that deployment successful like the the junior sailors like we we all did a good job but we couldn't have done it without that good leadership so i think there was a it was definitely like a 50 50 all deployment for Absolutely. everybody it all it all worked together i mean senior chief genus your uh your engineering uh leading chief petty officer that guy what, what a great guy he was you know yeah he had some really just sharp leaders on it but Hey, enough, enough, uh, yeah. I know you got a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of other questions. I just, when I was prepping and thinking about, yeah, thinking about the 10 year anniversary and, and I, that ship for me really just, it, it, it was a redemption tour. I, I had a interesting department head tour. So that was a, that was a real redemption tour. I, I had a great time and, and you guys worked real hard and, and everything just came together. You know, and I was sad to go when I did. I'm like, oh, I guess my time's over. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough. No, it's it's good to hear got? that on this end. It's good oh, to hear that yeah. even 10 years later. Like, it kind of solidifies some of the thoughts you have thinking about could we have done things differently. And I think a lot of service members in general feel that way about deployments they've been on or things that have happened in their time in service. And you look back on it and you're like, 
if we did this differently, would something else have happened or whatever the case may be? And I think hearing that even, you know, 10 years later, it's like, okay, I can put that to rest now, you know? So I appreciate I would that. Not, I would not have changed a minute of, of, uh, of the decision. There are things that the crew did, you know, maybe a couple of decisions I made, but overall, <laughs> I think that the crew was, was fantastic. I, I don't think you could have done things differently and come up with a better result. Um, everything that we asked, and actually it popped up on my Facebook feed the other day, uh, it was 10, and I, I remember I wrote something on Facebook just to let folks know that we're okay, and, and I, it was about you guys and how you bought out the ship store and sent that to the Japanese. Then you we had to tell the crew not to give away too many clothes because mm-hmm. you guys were donating so much. Okay. And we, we didn't, I don't think anyone of us actually got on the one of the things that, Hey, you guys need to pony up some clothes. Nobody ever said that. I think all we said was, Hey, there's an opportunity to do a donation. And the next thing I know, the classroom is just like, you know, from bulkhead to yeah. bulkhead, a deck, deck to overhead. It's just packed full of stuff that you guys donate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was very overwhelming and overpowering, you know, as, as a leader go. Gosh, we really have a special crew here. And and I remember the Christmas party before we left. I was still kind of new in, in, in the crew. I think it's still new to me. But then the Christmas party we had when we got back. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, that was a great Christmas party. It was a totally different environment. It, 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 we got nuts or crazy. It was just like a professional group of individuals got together, got together and celebrated a job well done, mm-hmm. mission accomplished. And, and, and we were all really proud of ourselves. And, and we... It was such a good time. Definitely. Man, we could have just done a whole podcast on that, and it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose I well, should I, ask some of these questions. Say, <laughs> sure. And, and I'm going to say, to, you know, if we have any uh, you know, chances of folks who are listening, um, and, and I've talked to some other folks offline, mostly officers, uh, but a couple of guys from different ships, too. That, you know, I've got water in the keel you know, mm-hmm. with, with, with those guys, with those men and women that crew. And I know people get, it all ends for somebody, right? Well, and I'm sure this will come up later in the, in the podcast. Getting out your, your time and service, either you retire or you, you say, hey, you know, I did my time, I'm done. Um, and if you need help getting out, you know, find me. I'm LinkedIn. You know, I'm there. I successfully transitioned idea. I navigated the whole the retirement, that business. Um, and you, you might, folks might think, hey, it's probably easier senior officers and, and maybe it is maybe it isn't I don't, I don't know but it was I was an employee for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and that that wasn't fun and so you know looking for a job and, and going hand in hand and, and trying to peddle yourself around and, and prove value it, you say hey please give me a paycheck <laughs> I gotta feed my kids yeah. that's tough and everybody goes through that and I think the one thing that the veterans we don't do well when we do kind of we don't network well I mean I talked to 06s I talked to 05s and the fours. And they're freaking out about transitioning. And I tell them, you've got a network. You have to call people. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the good thing, and this is a good and bad thing about the military, is for the most part, it's a meritocracy, right? So we acknowledge and reward uh, sustained superior performance mm-hmm. in the Navy. So we expect, hey, you're going to do well. You're going to get recognized for it, pass the test, whatever, should demonstrate your skills. Be in the requisite amount of time, and you're going to get promoted. You're going to be recognized. Maybe you'll be given command, or, or you'll be given a you know, you make chief petty officer, given a position of leadership. Um, but it, so we're not accustomed to selling ourselves and having to 
you know, go out and do that network. Now, I would say the most successful individuals I've seen, both officer and enlisted, are awesome networkers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and if I could do my career over again, I would have learned that skill. Mm-hmm. I, I would have done that a lot better, networking while I was in the military, because I brought in the whole meritocracy thing, which is it's true, but then there's another side. And, and you know what? I was warned as a plead, you know, back at the academy in 92, that, hey, it's about what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And then Captain Haggerty said, actually, what it really is, is who knows you. And that's what he said. He said it's, it's not enough that you're a great officer, so it's just who knows you. Yeah. And that's the same thing that's going to boil down to whenever you transfer. It's who knows you. And, and you build your brand, but who, who knows about it? Mm-hmm. And so I know people from Chancellorsville, 2010 to 2012. Mm-hmm. And if they need help, you know, or you want me with a resume or talk to them about roles in corporate America, just sort of like to be out there. I know them. I put referrals in all the time at IBM. I'm the president of the Texas Veterans Business Research Group. I, I took, I saw a whole leadership. I filled it, right? Took mm-hmm. over the whole damn state. So, <laughs> um, for, for IBM. Now, it helps that the senior state executive, kind of like the, the, the admiral of Texas, is a West Point grad. So, oh, there you go. Uh, we've got that whole, yeah. And, and that goes to another, I wrote down some notes leading into this. Sorry to take it over. I know you have questions you want to ask. Oh, you're fine. I would say that when you transition, no matter what corporation or, or, or company you go to, find that veteran in your company and use LinkedIn. If you're a veteran, you're not, I mean, you get a free year of premium LinkedIn, right? And if you don't know the power of LinkedIn, the beauty of YouTube is you can figure out anything on YouTube nowadays. Um, if you don't know the power of LinkedIn, figure it out, get in it. Uh, Cap will only tell you so much. Cap is trying to do do a good job, but don't think that, hey, I went to tap class and, and that's it. No. No. <laughs> that's the beginning. <laughs> that's the launching point. Because if you think that's it, you're, you're, you're probably not going to transition as well as you would hope. Mm-hmm. So go to LinkedIn, find out if, if there's a company you're targeting, find out who the veteran is in that company, and 99.999% of the time that veteran will want to talk to you and, and not shut up like I'm not shutting up right now. That <laughs> veteran will want to help. Because they know how tough that is. It, is. it doesn't matter what rank you are. It may be admiral or general. It, it might be a little bit easier. But I, like I said, I've known some colonels and some captains who've had a tough time transitioning. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, you know, E1 to 06. It, it, it's difficult. Very difficult. So now, I, you could go to Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, or, or, or some Bellway Band. But that, that could happen. But I don't want to live in a region. I did my story in Pentagon before I went out to Chancellorsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell you this story, Kelsey. I was working in the CNO's office, right? So I'm checking out. I see Admiral Roughhead. And that guy was a slow, too, right? He had a mm-hmm. destroyer. He had a cruiser. He's like, where are you going? Oh, sir, I'm going out to BDXO. Chancellorsville in San Diego. <laughs> the look on his face. He just looks down at his desk. He goes, man, I wish I was going back to the guy who just the whole baby. <laughs> the only thing he wanted to do was go out back to a ship. Uh-huh. <laughs> be honest, be a CEO or next to a cruiser. I'm like, all right, sir. <laughs> See you later. I'm going to go have a good time. <laughs> he knew it. I mean, this is a guy who goes up to Congress and gets, you know, raked over the cold. Why aren't you going to this meeting? You didn't pay for him. How about that? But he's a little bit nicer about it. <laughs> um, so that's what I would say is work that network. I'm in the network where all the folks at Chancellor's are. Uh, and then definitely, you know, other ships. If you're in the Navy, you know, give me a call too, or even just some veterans targeting IBM. Mm-hmm. Let me know and, and we'll chat. Cause I, I, hey, I call up very senior executives, <laughs> yeah, who are veterans. And I'm like, hey, you, 
should be helping people like me out. And they go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and one of these seniors, and they do. They tell me out. They go, you know what? We make you call. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, one of these senior executives was a surface worker officer on a destroyer on the West Coast. And when we started talking, he, said, oh, man. he could just see the light in his eye when I'm in a video conference with him. And he's, oh, yeah. He started telling some key stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like the PHAO. And, I mean, you know, these, these corporate guys, they're all wonderful human beings. They're great men and women. They're, they're creating a lot of wealth for America. But they did not have that kind of exciting life. That, you know, we just talked, spent the first 20 minutes talking about Tomodachi, right? Yeah. None of them had that. You know, maybe they'll talk about like closing a billion dollar deal, et cetera, et cetera. But really, do you know what it's like to not drink the water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to for real. All the Gatorade? Yeah. <laughs> to have to solve those kind of problems or, or, or be in in the, in the, you know, Northern Goo, the, the Gulf of Oman, and track the impossible Iranian Dow, and, and maybe put a put a guy on a boat to go check that out. And that's why I think it's tough on it. And the captain's like, hey, if I tell you to shoot, you better shoot. So I was like, you don't tell me, sir. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Yerger's like, I got this. That guy, when I figured out we had a problem with our our rib team before we deployed, and I, I went through the, the, uh, the database, I said, hey, lieutenant, he used to be on the uh, on the uh, boarding team. He goes, oh, yes, sir. I said, okay, I just need you to help train him. And he goes, you know what? So if I'm going to do this, I don't want to train. I want to be in the boat. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, through the overhead. <laughs> he, he, that, those are Daniel's exact words. Sir, I want to be in the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Then. <laughs> well, and I what think. All right. No, you're fine. I think, too, um, a lot of. People who get out, a lot of veterans think that because they have all this really great training from the military, which is great, and they have great leadership skills, they think that they automatically deserve a higher management position or they automatically deserve some type of major leadership role when the reality is, uh, you know, a COO of a company has way different training than a military person, you know? And so finding that connection and, and whether it's in resume translation or, you know, on LinkedIn or whatever the case may be, like there is that bridge or that gap that needs to be bridged, I think. Now, you're spot on. And if I was to, uh, and I think that's actually the first note I have on my, on my notepad here. So I still use the green ink. Um, I still have it in and my very first note is if you're going to transition, you got to start two to three years out. That's the plan. Maybe even four. Okay. And, and for me, I started planning right before I left Chancellorsville. When I found out I didn't screen for command, I called my sister and she was in the Navy too. She was an HR officer and she was running the um, ROTC village. Mm-hmm. But, and I knew I was headed to Japan after Chancellorsville. And I said, hey, you know, what's open XOs uh, in two years? She goes, oh, awesome. Austin, Texas, UT. That's, and I called that guy. I said, I'm coming for you <laughs> in two years. So, uh, and I think it was like the one time in my entire life I actually fought for a, a duty station. And thank goodness the admiral that, that ended up going out there was a swell. Mm-hmm. And I, I did something that he really liked. He said, hey, what are you trying to do after this? Actually, sir, I would really love to go be the XO of UT. Like, All right, we're going to make that happen. And and the surface detailers were trying to, for lack of a better term, screw me out of that. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness that Admiral, he called in a few favors for me, and, and that's how I got there. So, uh, And then he said, hey, when you go there, make sure you go to grad school. 
and get a business degree. And that's what I did. I didn't get an MBA. I got what's called a Master of Science and Technology of Commercialization. And I burned a year mm-hmm. of GI Bill. And I'm telling you right now, any veteran listen to this, use that 9-11 GI Bill. And it was created by uh, Senator James Webb at Naval Academy 68, a guy who was a Marine in, in Vietnam. Uh, and he wrote extensively about the lack of Ivy League officers who were actually you know, in the bush in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So when he got into that position of leadership, you know, he was actually Secretary of the Navy, like 36 years old, too. Oh, wow. Secretary of the Navy. But when he got to be the senator from Virginia, uh, and he ran for president for like a brief moment in 2016. But when he got to be the senator, he restructured that GI Bill. And it's the greatest thing out there. And, and, and if if we don't use that, you know, it's, it's just that's just a waste. And and if you're getting ready to transfer, you know, look into that four or five years too, because you, if you you have to sign it over to your, uh, you know, your children or you sign it over to children and your spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, you could still use it even if you sign it over, but you have to designate that you can sign it over. Yet there's like a four year. You have to do that four years before you get out. And I almost missed that by a week. And thank goodness, a, a really great shipmate of mine was sitting next to me in Japan. And he's like, hey, have you, have you done this yet? And I said, well, what you talking about, Willis? And, and so <laughs> I did it. And so I burned a year. I still have three years left for my two daughters. And, uh, and, and it was probably the greatest investment I ever made in, in, in my life was using that year going to night school. And my wife had a baby while I was going to night school. God bless her. Oh, but, I did, and what, but what I really did before that is I went to a job fair. A couple of years before I got out, and I recommend every veteran do this. Go to a few job fairs before you get out. Now, granted, the employers really, I don't want to hire you or really spend a lot of time talking to you until you're about six months out, but get a sense of what they're looking for. And then you'll realize, okay, I've got to go get some skills. Yeah. And there are so many resources out there. So if you want to transfer to tech, and this is a shameless plug for my company, IBM. Mm-hmm. If you're going to transfer to tech, we are corporate partners with, uh, an organization called vetjobs.org. That's vetjobs.org. Mm-hmm. And I, I volunteered last year to do what's called a corporate service corps project with me and six other IBM veterans or five other IBM veterans from the state of Texas got together and helped build out this platform. And, and you know how much it costs, Kelsey? Free. Free 99. Free. Nice. You, you, you get it. Yeah. Contact vetjobs.org. You get in there. They put you on the platform. You, you know, you want to learn about SAT HANA. You want to learn about how to code. You want to learn about Marketing, finance, just some soft skills development, whatever, how to, what a P&L looks like, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to make that hard transition over to corporate, and, and you don't know how many prior enlisted folks I need at IBM. Mm-hmm. So don't think this is just for officers. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I, because I'm the, the BRG leader for Texas, uh, every Veterans Day for the last three years, I've held career fairs. But this last year, I couldn't do it because, uh, because of COVID. So what I did with that, that senior state executive, Jason Kelly, I said, hey, look, you know, sir, everybody uses first names at, at, at IBM. <laughs> said, hey, Jason, what I want to do is a company-wide Veterans Day WebEx. And we did. We put it together. A couple hundred people tuned in. And then it also occurred to me, uh, Kelsey, I said, okay, I want to interview executives who are women, veterans. And I found two women, and they were awesome. And one of them was prior enlisted. And awesome. so she did. She got out, did her GI Bill. And then got her degree, and then came to IBM, and, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I really don't like to tell that story. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You have to tell that story. Mm-hmm. That's very important you tell it. Because for me, I, and these women were in, you know, like when I was at jail back in the 90s, and there weren't a whole lot of women in the military back then. Yeah. And I had this theory 
that I think that women who served in, in that period, but in any other period, I mean, gosh, we only had, what, maybe 40 women on Chancellorsville? Yeah, there but weren't that many. They, there weren't that many, but in, in the early days, it was eight. We, we lifted uh, combat exclusion law, which is funny for the class of 94 at Navy. There are a lot of women who thought they were going to get surgery developed, and President Clinton's like, oh, no, you're going to see. What, 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 what do you mean I'm going to see? So, so some of the women, they, they got sent out to ships. But what was dumb was there was like three women on an aircraft carrier, you know, 5,000 guys. So that, that was challenging. So I yeah. think those women learned some really good, tough lessons about leadership and dealing with an all-male environment. <laughs> They're yeah. the only diverse population, really, uh, on that ship. And then I think that helped them make great business leaders in corporate America. And I was able to call that out of them in the interview that I did with those two uh, phenomenal women who are executives of big positive attitudes. And so they're just, you can tell the reason why they're executives. Mm-hmm. But then I went back to, you know, one of my senior executives did idea. I was like, hey, look, you know, I noticed that the veteran, the executives who are veterans at IBM served less than 10 years. Hmm. So that's you know, interesting. Don't, yeah, don't, because in, in, in the company, and not, uh, and I'm saying all kinds of great things about you. They're they're wonderful. They're bending over backwards. Mm-hmm. They started the Saturday Executive Council, et cetera, et cetera. So they're doing a lot of, and they, they had this. We're going to hire 2,000 veterans by 2020. So I, I helped out with that with those, with those career fairs. And the, so the company is working really, really hard. They want veterans. They want to get them in there. But they know, you know, who our number one competitor really is when it comes to veteran talent. Hmm. Law enforcement. Wait, who? Law enforcement. Hmm. So a lot of like uh, you know seven you know maybe first maybe second term enlisted uh, personnel going to law enforcement and uh, that that's who I talked to a lot of the recruiters and talent acquisition folks at IBM uh, last year this time last year as a matter of fact when I was helping do the skill set they said yeah it's Leo law enforcement officers those are the ones that we have a hard time so I thought it might be like Oracle or things like that you know our typical competitors in the marketplace. But when it comes to the marketplace of talent, <laughs> a lot of the folks default to law enforcement. And then I pointed out to these senior executives, I said, look, you know, if you're, you're going to lose your senior, you know, like your, maybe your E7 to E9, your 05, 06, you're going to lose those folks to the Bellway Bandits, the Raytheon, you know, you're going to lose them because you know, they're going to pay them for what they know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm humble enough to admit I don't know much about that. I know what a P&L looks like and managing a P&L, but I haven't had to like have that earnings call in, in my particular <laughs> role right now at IBM. I don't have that quarterly earnings call. I don't have to stand tall in front of a senior vice president and that person says, hey, why didn't you sell as much widget as we told you to sell? What happened? I haven't had to do that yet. So that goes to your point you just made that you know, don't think you're going to walk in as a COO of a company when you haven't had to manage a P&L. In the military, we don't manage profit and loss statements. Yeah. And every quarter, the, the government gives the military money to spend it all. All right. Stuff will come to you and says, hey, what? you guys need more flak jacket? You need more firefighting gloves? You need masks or something? What, what do you need? I got to spend this money. Yeah. yeah. And, and corporate America is completely different. Like, whoa, why, why didn't you make it? Right. <laughs> What do you mean you spent all that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? What am I getting? Because even even they have somebody to report to, right? It's their shareholders. Mm-hmm. The shareholders are going to the board of directors and say, "Hey, how come my share price is going down?" And fortunately for IBM, we have Admiral Howard. You know, yeah, we have a swell. 
<laughs> on Apple. And she's great. She, I, I heard her speak a few times at different IBM events, and we're very lucky to have her. So that's, and, and I had a captain call me a couple of years ago, and, and that captain uh, said that, that a company shouldn't be worried about the, the letters behind the captain's name and in order to be hired. And I said, well, in order to be hired as a senior manager for this, I said, well, if you, you, know, you don't have an MBA, you don't have a certified scrum master, you have a PMP, you might want to you know, reconsider something else. Because uh, those are things they're looking for. It, it, it's just things that are pay you. And I would say any petty officer, you know, maybe E5, E6, and definitely any junior officer, if you're not getting a, a program management professional certification on your way out, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's free. It's free to the University of Syracuse. Do that too. And that came about because, uh, I guess about 16 years ago, the CEO of Starbucks went over to Iraq. And was talking to some of the, the soldiers on the ground, and he said, "Hey, you know, what are you afraid of? Any terrorists? Any No, go on, I'm getting a job. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's... that's what I'm most afraid. Of. I'm afraid to get my arm blown off. I'm afraid of going home and what if they taste get a job? So this the uh, Starbucks, he set up the program, the, the uh, program management professional uh, scholarship program for veterans, and it's it's, it's it's a little bit of work. You got to study, but you know, I'll tell you what, something you get a PMP at the end of your name. And that starts to open up doors and it adds like, you know, an extra one is maybe three or four zero or four zeros at the end of the salary instead of two zeros. Look, I'm about to sign up for this as soon as we get off of here. What <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. Yeah. Go get a PMP. You're a certified scrum master. Get, I'll sit least, you know, I go to business school and I got one of these professors of uh, business operations talking about a certified scrum master. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean every day you get up and talk about the blockers? And what you're doing to remove the blockers, and it takes about 15 minutes. Everybody gets like two or three minutes to talk about. Uh, that's O call. That's division. That's court. Yeah. We've been doing it in the Navy <laughs> since 1776. So, Kelsey, so I spend $1,000. I go down to some hotel for like, you know, Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. I get my certified scrum master, and the guy pitching this thing, keeping it, you know what he does? He sits there and talks about all these military leadership books he wrote. I'm like, oh, they're down. <laughs> you're like, I oh, live that. that I'm like, I know that guy. I know her. Yeah, I, and so it, you'd be, and that's in one of my notes too, you'd be amazed, I just had a conversation with some, some guy at IBM yesterday, you'd be amazed at how many military leadership books these folks read. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why these SEALs are making tons of money of selling SEAL leadership across I know, America. it's crazy. <laughs> that's so it's, crazy. It's, I mean, good, good on it, you know, mm-hmm. I need to, I think I got a connection I want to give you on that too, and good on them that they're selling it because Corporate America, and, and I'm like mired in this project I'm doing, and, and I can see the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, when I was XO of a, of a shift, I, mean, I can make that happen by the afternoon. Here, I, I don't even know if I get it done by the six months. So, <laughs> <laughs> I but know what it's that's like. such an important point, though, and I'm so glad you said that because I think that's why a lot of veterans struggle. And, I mean, I'm speaking personally but I know of other veterans too, why they struggle in the civilian world because you're so used to, in the military, quick turnaround. And you get tasked with something and now you need to finish that task before you go home. Like you don't get six months, eight months to figure it out. Like you have to do it. And now you're in this civilian world. And I remember the first few jobs I had after I, I got out of the military 
I would finish a task so quick and my boss would be like, um, <laughs> why did you do that so fast? I'm like, cause you told me to do it, you know? And, and, and that's an issue, which is weird for it to be an issue, but that's something that I think is hard to understand when you get out is like, okay, I've done my whole task list that you gave me for six months in two days. Now what? Right. And let me, um, I didn't write this down, but I'm glad you talked about that because the, the senior veteran, at least in my company, uh, and, and I actually go to these, uh, Deloitte has a virtual corporate veteran join up once a year. So I've been for the last two years to go see what, you know, what Amazon's doing, what Blizzard's doing, whatever, how they take care of their veterans. And IBM's doing really well. Uh, and I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I get paid no extra money from IBM for saying this. Uh, but we, we do really well. And one of the things our, our senior executives, talk about Jason Kelly, uh, Dan Strom, and Barry Becker, we call it our superpower as veterans that what you just said, like, oh, you need that done? Is today good enough? Oh, I thought you had that done you know, by the end of the month. No, I get that done today. Mm-hmm. You know, I can take that out now. Yeah. That's, that's not hard for me. Like organization, when I first got to the company and I was doing a lot of organizing of our, of our team, they thought I was like Harry Potter. I'm like, no, this is not hard for me. The hard part for me, the difficult part for me was like understanding the technology, mm-hmm. the, the, what, what a enterprise level flash drive does. And, and I know more about cloud than, than I ever want to know. <laughs> and I know I don't know enough about cloud, Kelsey. It's, I, I, it's so much more I've got to learn, you know, what a Kubernetes is, what a Docker is, what, you know, all, all these, how the cloud works. Mm-hmm. And look, it's like the Wizard of Oz. I look behind the curtain. How does your app work on your cell phone? Really? How does it really work? And you go, oh my gosh. So yeah, no there's thanks. some really smart people <laughs> who, are, who are doing that stuff. But they are so siloed. I call them silos of excellence. And, and we would say that in the Navy, but we were really good in the Navy about breaking down those silos of excellence, uh, getting that stuff across. And corporate has a tough time with that. And some, some corporate leaders are, are better than others, but I think in general, they have a tough time with it. And that's what that superpower that we bring because we we still practice what I call I wrote a paper on it I should probably share it sometime I call it analog leadership in the digital world right and it's in especially in the Navy where you know, we don't have Wi-Fi in the ship so when we get mad in the wardroom the officers like hey Ensign you know what's going on down the street well get off your computer and get your rear end down <laughs> in the face and find out what's happening yeah I've been down there today have you been down there today go talk to your sailors. That's that face-to-face stuff. Now, COVID changed everything, right? Mm-hmm. So everything's a little virtual. I get it. But, you know, when I probably could have still done my job at home the first two years because my boss was down in Houston. So, and I hear I was in Austin. It freaked me out. When I, the first day I went to work, I didn't have to check in with anybody. I had to sign in the quarter deck. <laughs> you know, nobody logged me in. <laughs> they just let you go wherever you want. <laughs> uh, well, you had a badge. You had a badge. You got to, you know, just. But still, nobody cares. I mean, I was talking to my my boss one time. I was visiting him in Houston. I'm like, hey, you, know, you don't know if I'm drinking in the office, do you? Like, nope. I said, you know, what if I said I wanted to commit suicide? I don't know. Call HR. I'm like, what if I'm beating my wife? I don't know. Call HR. These are all like <laughs> typical things. We we call them Monday morning quarters, right? In the yeah. Navy. Like, these are the things that we have to deal with. It's I don't know. Call HR. But there's no HR really. I mean, we have HR officers in the Navy, but we don't mm-hmm. put them on ships for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> we, well, we probably, push all that down that's the probably a better idea. <laughs> yeah, but we make the chiefs of the LPOs of the officers figure it out. Mm. <laughs> you become an HR. So that's part of the superpowers I write about is, 
over the and I think about what it was like being on that deployment. You know, you're you're a priest, you're a rabbi, you're an accountant, you're a financer, you're an HR, you're you're uh, you know you're everything. You're a mom, you're a dad. And Captain Henry talked about this a lot too. Hey, we're gonna put a little bit of motherhood in this, and, and when we would write things and try to communicate with the crew, just be uh, um, you know a little bit more explanatory, not be direct, but just a little bit more explanatory and. And you know he, you know he wasn't one to fluff anything. Either. Yeah, <laughs> no, was, very straight to the point. No, he, he was. He knew there were times he had to soften some of the messages uh, that that were going out. Uh, and actually, that that and he had his um, vehicles by which he would do it. He was me or Chaps or the three, <laughs> he'd be the three vehicles. Here. <laughs> we never was a crew so blessed to have that chaplain. Oh yeah, and that guy. We made phenomenal. him the MWR officer, and that was it. It was over. Yeah. The entertainment was phenomenal. We were yes. so lucky. Definitely. Yeah, that we it. So okay, so I just gotta know because I mean you've literally answered ninety percent of my questions, so that was easy. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> but if you need to direct or shake <laughs> shake the top, because I just rambled. If you need to direct or shake the top, let me know. Oh no, you're you're good. You're good. All of your information is really great and I'm so excited because I think this is a different way to look at it because you're seeing it from the corporate standpoint which a lot of veterans avoid corporate America because it's intimidating to somebody who you know I are my other host who used to be on here Noah he moved but he hated corporate America he was an army guy and it just couldn't click for him and so hearing you talk about kind of the ins and outs of what, you know, corporate America is looking for or looking at is so important for veterans to hear because I think oftentimes we just listen to what TAPS tells us because TAPS class is what we know as transition, you know, and, and so I think it's good to hear it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, really. Well, I view it, it's an obligation. Right. So when I was, I said I was unemployed there for a while, and I, I remember you know, I'd left the, uh, the the school, the ROTC unit. I'm just like we go on like a month long vacation. I burn off, kind of leave, and I come back, and I was in the interview process with IBM for that job. But IBM's the only one that gave me the interview. <laughs> I, and my wife was a recruiter. She made me build a spreadsheet. I could probably call it up, and I'm going all over town, and, and I live in Austin, right? So it's mm-hmm. Samsung, it's Dell, it's IBM. I mean, you, you, I could throw a rock at Apple as their largest campus is right here. I could throw a rock at any one of these places. But I was just held bent and determined. And, and part of this has to do with um, my view on on the country. That And I did a tour in the Pentagon, and I, I honestly think that D.C. should be a, a village of the Potomac, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wanted to get out of government. Now my only real affiliation with it is my retirement check, right? So <laughs> I want to get out of government. And and you know what hit I think about when we transitioned to the Strait of Malacca. All that shipping mm-hmm. that was in front of us and behind us and that that's commerce, right? That that's you know, that's that's what makes the world go. That that, that creates wealth. Capitalism. It's like yeah, I'm a I'm a big capitalist. Huge huge capitalist. And I believe in that. And we defended that. And for me, in my case, 21 years, and, and, and I, you did about, what, eight or nine, right? And, and unfortunately, uh, you were cut short there. Um, but we defended that. 
And so, and for me, it wasn't like, hey, I want to go get a piece of some witch or whatever. It was more like, <laughs> I want to go transition to a place in America where I can create wealth and create jobs and create value. Now, I'm not saying that, that the, the Beltway Banners aren't doing that. It's just my relationship with government, the way I believe <laughs> I actually work with government is a little bit different. And I, and I know IBM does a lot of business with government, but we're primarily a business-to-business company. Mm-hmm. And and I it wasn't until I went to business school and I went, oh my gosh, there's so many businesses out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then then I went to a company called International Business Machines and I went, holy crap, there's a lot of businesses <laughs> out there. Yeah. And and so we when you're on that ship, you know it's 545 feet long, 55 feet wide, about 9,000 tons. You know you don't really appreciate that, it, but it's all paid for by tax. Our salaries, the whole thing is all paid for by cash. And and they love us too, by the way. So, it, and when I do WebExes, I have a picture of this. Uh, I was, my grandfather was on the Massachusetts, right? We, we, we talked about this in the very beginning during World War II. So I went to the Massachusetts on that leave period and, and showed there's a, my grandfather's name's on the gun turret. If you go down there, you can see the feature of there during World War II. So I got a lot of great pictures, and that's in my background. Sometimes <laughs> 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 I do these web exes with IBMers, and they see this big battleship behind me. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 and the 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 mentor of mine, Dixon Kelly, he like I said, he's a West Point grad. He was in the army about eight or nine years. He was a ranger. You would thought that dude just got off a helicopter like the other day. You know, <laughs> and the way he talks, he's very tactical. In his language, now granted, he's a very senior IBMer, so he gets away with a little bit more than I can. Mm-hmm. And and I, I talked to him, and, and I said, yeah, I was a little worried that maybe I had to tone it down or whatever. But I see you, and you just like celebrate, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, Ranger lead the way. I'm saying that at IBM, like, all right, fine. I'm gonna, you know, so I bring some slow stuff in there. Like if I'm if I'm on a WebEx and I have to like pass the screen over somebody like, hey, I got the, con- I have the deck, you have the con, you know. And like, what the hell are they guys talking about? <laughs> but it flushes awesome. out the sailors sometimes because on Slack I'll get some dudes like, yeah, hey man, I was an HP too. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> they awesome. totally understood what I was talking about. Yeah, so it's like, and the, but they like to see that hey, there's a veteran who's willing to, to celebrate being a veteran. And it yeah. turns out my my lonely building all by myself on that deck all by myself. <laughs> Two rows over, Desron Forty, the Commodore for the Reserve. Oh, jeez! <laughs> He's a Reserve captain. <laughs> well, I randomly ran into this dude. He's like, "Yeah, I'm the Commodore for Desron Forty out of Jacksonville." Reserve. Are you kidding me? I'm a slow too. So now, you know, and it was great because I could just have some guy to go commiserate with, tell tea stories, and find out what was going on at IBM. But to your point about going to corporate, I had a first like four or five months. I am freaking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this mentor, he's like, okay, let's go, let's go have a beer. Too. And he said, look, guys guys that get out about you know their first tour, it's like they just went to college and they didn't miss much. And then mm-hmm. guys that maybe get out after 10 years, it's like they went to grad school. Guys like you are in 20 years <laughs> yeah. who, who uh, are accustomed to, I want it, I want it now. That's just not how this goes. <laughs> and so he's like, don't. You know, don't accept that. Don't accept it, but just understand, you know, have a little bit of appreciation. And the senior site executive for IBM, and he's a huge supporter of veterans. And when I was doing these on-site veterans events, he would always come out. We have like five military bases around Austin, right? And he mm-hmm. wants to be the destination site for veterans at our company. And so he loves it. And But he had a private conversation with me, too. And he said, look, this is what I tell all the IBMers that come here. Don't let IBM change you. You change IBM. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, all right. So, I like so that. So that's where I, I try to do that. So every veteran out there who don't be intimidated by corporate America, you bring superpowers, you have a set of soft skills. So for me, I, I, I mentor, like tomorrow night, I'm going to be on a, on a call late. I'm mentoring, uh, some folks who are using the GI Bill at the University of Southern California. They have an MBA program. All right. So if any of you guys got your undergraduate degree while you're at C, that's awesome. And I'm glad you did that. Now use your GI Bill. Go get in a USC MBA program, veteran thing. And there's, there's all kinds of flavors of, of, of veterans in there, officer enlisted or whatever. Uh, they're, they're in it. Go do that. And, and our company partners with them and I'm helping them build a marketing plan, right? So there's IBM or Toolcommons and help those folks out. So I, I'm, and they, you know, I'm also trying to attract talent. But what I'm trying to teach IBM though is that our folks are, are enlisted, our officers who come in after five, six, ten years, they have, and I really try to talk about the enlisted, they have raw leadership experience. Mm-hmm. They have raw leadership experience. And I'm not going to take anything away from MBA, you know, from like, from one of these great schools, you know, one of these branded schools. Mm-hmm. But if all you do is go to undergrad and then you turn around and get two more years of MBA, sure, you're smart, you know how to do the finance, et cetera, et cetera, but you have no leadership experience yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Now, give me Petty Officer Gum, <laughs> who I know, you know, she went through Tomodachi with me, and, and, and that's what the skill skills program is for, is, hey, we teach Petty Officer Gum a little bit of finance, teach a little bit of P&L, a little bit of little business talk, enough to get her up to speed, and then, but I know she's going to bring her raw leadership experience to the table. And that's what a companies like IBM especially want is we look what we call it the uh, non-traditional uh, education. Mm-hmm. And so that we recognize that there's a lot of great talent out there and they probably didn't come through like Stanford or Harvard or Yale. And nothing against those schools. They're all great schools, all great graduates. Yeah. But we, there's a lot, America and, and the rest of the world puts out a lot of awesome talent that may not have come through there and this is a way that we can snatch those awesome people up too is through those programs and hey right if you're a veteran and you can spell cyber uh, holy cow i don't know how (laughs) the military is going to hold on to these cyber warriors i really don't two years ago i went to training at the naval academy i'm blue and gold officer so i i interview high school students for the naval academy so with the training they just built this massive cyber center named after uh admiral um uh, Grace Hopper, right? Mm-hmm. So she's the one who invented the term computer bug. And they're giving us this brief and they're going to teach a cyber major to these kids. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, Captain, you know, are you going to make these kids stick around more than just five years? You're going to add on to their commitment. Like, oh, we haven't really thought of that. I, went, I work at IBM. I will 5X that guy's salary <laughs> to we get that. Okay. <laughs> Not just for what he does, but also for all that leadership experience. Because I talked to the head of IBM Cyber Mm-hmm. Right? He's this really great guy. He's just such a guy. I talked to him, and he came begging. Well, not begging. He came asking the, the veteran leadership, hey, I need more veterans in my cyber team. And I asked him, why do you want this? And this, all you veterans listen to the story. I said, why do you want veterans on your cyber team for IBM? He says, look, I bring in these uh, civilians to the watch floor, and the phone rings, and they all look at the phone. I bring in veterans, the first responder, the phone rings. They pick up the phone. They start organizing to solve the problem. It's like, boom, done. That's all I needed to know. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, we don't, you don't get that at Harvard or Yale. Yeah. You get that on the deck plate of a warship. Mm-hmm. You get that, you know, in the desert of Iraq or on the mountains of Afghanistan. That's where you get that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You don't get that, you know, in, at, by the beach, and, you know, and whatever, you know, hanging out playing volleyball or, or watching some college basketball team lose on a Saturday night. You, know, you don't get that there. You yeah. get that through raw experience, and that's what veterans bring to corporate America. And trust me, corporate America needs more veterans. Mm-hmm. So, it, hey, Leo, you know, law enforcement is probably going to be grumpy. Like I said, they're our, our number one competitor, but I want to see more of my brothers and sisters in uniform over here in corporate. And they can be successful because I've interviewed those veterans, at least in my company. Wow. That was awesome. I think I should just give you this podcast because I've learned so much <laughs> in the short time we've been talking tonight. But I think it, it's important to hear that because, uh, you know, even before I because I work now at um, Wisconsin Veterans Network, which is a nonprofit that helps veterans and um, they're who sponsor our podcast. But um Going into corporate America, even for me, I was like, oh, no, I am much too, um, the word I've been told is I'm much too intimidating to work with people who aren't veterans. (laughs) I don't know how to take that sometimes, but I think it's just that drive and motivation to get the job done. Like, I'm not here to hang out with you. I'm here to do my job, and I'm here to complete the mission, and I'm I'm going home at the end of the day because I spent a lot of time away from home. So, yep. That's Kelsey, Kelsey, the thought that, process. That's your superpower mm-hmm. is that drive. And, and I'm not saying the other folks aren't, but this is something that has been embedded in you. And you're right, because I get to go home. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that was like the one thing as an officer. Like, well, what do I have? Oh, I, I don't. Yeah. Oh, it's liberty. It, it was like the one real tool yeah. that you had. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and, and they, they still tell you this as a J.O. Hey, your crew in the morning just wants to know what it's going to take to go home. Yep. All right. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's because when we go to sea, you're stuck there. Mm-hmm. So when you're in port, in, in my second ship when I was in Japan, they were awesome. We had things like rope yarn Wednesday. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't know. We, we know you guys got to go like get your car registration taken care of. So Wednesdays were half day. Mm. And then Fridays were like, you, you could go home early on Fridays. And then, so on Chancellorsville, right, we had three-day weekends. Remember when we were in port? I was an engineer. I don't remember it like that at all. Oh, no. But, <laughs> well, he, our captain was an engineer too, right? So he was hell bent and he used to climb up the chain in my rear end. He's like, and say, hey, sir, we have a, we have an inspection. Fine. You're giving a Monday off. Yeah. So he, <laughs> trust, there, there was, a, I'll tell you right now, there was, I think it was Veterans Day or something. And I said, sir, well, we're going to work Friday because we just had Monday off. Said, no. I told this crew that I was getting Friday off. Sir, so it's only a three-day work week? Yeah. Figure it out. If so. <laughs> oh, I, I, so <laughs> he, he was hell bent on mm-hmm. trying to make sure that, that you guys were. Now, the khaki showed up on Friday. But for him, <laughs> I, you know, I think the only way he brought the wardroom in on Friday was to make him go play basketball with him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do and remember then, those. Then he would go home. Yeah. But the thing about corporate... And, uh, and Kevin Hunter used to have this thing, uh, you know, that person's, that person's really nice, but that's a problem. They're too nice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I love about IBM, at least at my level. And I'm not really high up at all. I'm, I'm kind of like mid grade. I'm like the equivalent of maybe a lieutenant, um, and then a Navy lieutenant. So, <laughs> but everybody's really nice. And especially when I was learning with technology, I'd call up these like super genius thousand pound heads, you know, the guys who are actually like building the chips and stuff. And I call up and, and, you know, I was an engineer too, my first division officer too. And, and so I wanted to know, like, walk me through the system. You just show me 
the schematic. I, I wanted to know that kind of stuff. And my boss goes, well, what, what do you mean you want to know that? I'm like, well, if you're going to hold me accountable for what's in the box, I want to know if I'm an electron, like come in the box, what are all the things I hit? And then I come out of the box. Mm-hmm. Can you show me that? So I had to go find an engineer, to, <laughs> or a, a, you know, an electrical engineer who built the box to help me understand that. But I don't think a lot of people in my position were willing to go to that depth. Mm-hmm. And that's what a veteran's going to do is they're going to want to get up in it. And I have a really good friend of mine. He was a service officer officer also. BCA on an FSG and he got out early. He got out after the end of his commitment and then he went to corporate America. And he says, yeah, I just practice things like leadership by walking around. <laughs> Where he, he got really high up at a company and he was like, the, all the, they were all up in the C-suite at the top floor. And he says, yeah, I went floor to floor to floor to find out who's in our company, what they did. And, and everybody was like, why are you? I said, oh, who are you? Well, yeah, I'm one of the executives, vice president. Why are you here? Because I want to know who you are and what you do. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing for the company? And that, that's that that's veteran superpower that they have. And those are things that you guys, and, and here's the, 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 the backside of that, that point though, is we know what good leadership looks like. Mm-hmm. And when we're not getting it, we get really grumpy. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's frustrating. It's so frustrating when you see somebody who's in or who is supposed to be a leader and they are not leading in the way that you as a veteran deem appropriate. And we'll just put it like that because everybody looks at leadership differently. But when, right. when you are looking at your, the person who's supposed to be leading you and you're like, I could do this 10 million times better. That right. is incredibly frustrating. As a veteran, I can't speak on the civilian side of the house because I don't know how civilians process all of that. Um, but I know as a veteran, I have left jobs because my leadership was so poor that I couldn't deal with it. I, I guarantee that, you know, anybody who's in, you know, like one tour, five, four or five years, they talk more about leadership than an MBA did. Right. Like I said, I went to business school and we had like a, you know, granted mine was a truncated program. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I can't believe this, this professor is getting paid the amount of money he does to teach leadership. And really, that's it. That's all you got. Um, and then it occurred to me because I was also teaching ROTC at the same time down at the University of Texas. So I, I went to my ROTC class. And I was teaching leadership to them. And I said, hey, you know, is, is there anybody other, you know, program on this campus that's teaching leadership like we're teaching it? And they all shook their heads no. So it's a three ROTC units up there, Army, Navy, Air Force, and the Marines are with the Navy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the leadership you know, laboratory for a, a large school. Now, I'm sure I'll probably get hate mail on, on my LinkedIn after this. <laughs> and I'll probably get up. The McCombs University is going to, or McCombs School of Business, so I want to pull back my, my degrees. We teach leadership, but it's not like what we're accustomed to teaching mm-hmm. with the case studies, the practical application, the you, know, you got your petty officer leadership course, right? Well, yeah. that was a, that's a week long when you make petty officer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty intense. That's, you know, as a divo, I'm excited that my guys make uh, E5 or E4, but then I lose them for a week. But mm-hmm. you know what? Losing them for a week to go to that leadership school is going to pay me massive dividends down the road because they got that leadership training. Yeah, definitely. There's these, these big name, big brand schools aren't teaching that kind of intense leadership and they certainly aren't doing the practical application you did not the hey go manage the radiators. yeah <laughs> so we don't have enough tyvek tie suits to go look at the mm. why why is the navigator sleeping with the flag that's sitting off the radiator? you know, yeah. uh, you know 
sir, sir, give me the flag. I'm not going to use his name. He's a great guy. And I've helped him out in his transition too. He's a wonderful individual. But it's like, why are you sleeping with a flag that's been through a radioactive plant? Why? I mean, you got to do what you got to do at some point. I don't know. <laughs> that guy's a patriot, by the way. That's why he was sleeping with that flag. Yeah. No, I think, I really think, um, and we could probably talk for hours about leadership and, and what it looks like from a veteran's eyes and, Maybe I'll have to have you on for part two of a podcast so we can talk about that. Because sure. I think I think the information that you have shared today, personally for me, and I hope the listeners feel the same way, like it's kind of our inside source as to what it's like in corporate America. Because I think as a veteran who's on the outside looking in, I viewed it much differently, but... I really appreciate you saying that, you know, being a veteran, we have a superpower coming into this. Like, I like that. And I'm going to use do. that because I think it's Wait, important it. to see it for what it is. And we are unique in the way that we learned leadership and that we learned how to work with people and get the mission done, whatever that mission may be. And so I, I think it's important that veterans hear that because often we're told we're intimidating or we're too harsh, or we're too strong of a leader, or whatever, and it's too much of something, but that something is really valuable, and I think veterans well, need to hear that. And, and I want to, I know you mentioned that a couple minutes ago, I want to address that, because there's been times where I've been really direct with people. <laughs> <laughs> not, not XO Fitzpatrick 20, 2011 <laughs> direct with the knife hand and the bro and all that, that fun stuff, not that, because I would probably get me fired, right? Now, I, I'm proud to say the only time HR has been called on me in the three years I've been at IBM is because I was selling Girl Scout cookies. That's, that's the only time. I'm like, really? That's why I got HR called not because of selfie language or, or whatever. So that, that's it. But what I would say, and I would go do some feedback with the folks after maybe a call or something like, hey, was that a little too direct? And, and nine times out of ten, I'll get the, no. That's what we need to hear because everybody's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> they need to, somebody, because this really, this means like, I sit down like, am I the only one saying The emperor has no clothes, right? Am I the only one saying the emperor has no clothes? And, <laughs> but you, as a, as a veteran, you bring in that fresh perspective. Plus, we also, you know, we can't BS each other. You know, we all mm -hmm. know where each other lives. Like, it's just 545 feet long, 65 feet wide. We all know what each other does. So you can't BS the individual. I, an officer was only as good as, as their word. So if I went down and started lying to you guys, that's it. Game over. You know? Yeah. We can't trust that guy. So you can't, we, we know we can't BS each other. The other thing, and I got it written down somewhere, is uh, salaries. And that's why you got to find that veteran who's in a company to mm -hmm. go talk to them about salaries. Because you could talk, you, once you get hired, you cannot talk about salaries. Cannot. Whereas when you're active duty, you know, we all know it's all open source. We all know we could get paid. We, we put it on the mess deck, we, you know, the social security numbers, whatever. We all know, yeah. we all know the one of the biggest zeros is the captain. The second <laughs> one's probably the XL. <laughs> we all yeah. know what each other's getting paid and the page. But in corporate America, <laughs> it's all silent. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. And you have to negotiate that. And there's a whole thing. And, and one last thing I'll say about when I work on the branding of veterans, at least at IBM, this was all before last year with the George Floyd stuff. And I said, look, you know, veterans are 
we're diversity ready day one when we show up. We don't need that, you know, we don't need to be told how to work with people who don't look like us or don't go home with the same people or whatever. Because we had that, all right? We, mm-hmm. you know, we, we slept in close quarters with, you know, one person from an opposite side of the country and another person and maybe believe in a God a different way than I do. And, you know, maybe we learn how to deal with all that mm-hmm. and then come together as a crew to put all that stuff aside and accomplish the mission. Yeah. Right. We, we, we learn all that stuff. So we're diversity ready. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, granted, I didn't get as much diversity training at IBM as I do, as I did in the military. Uh, maybe, maybe that's helpful. And, but also that's part of my superpower too. Is like, and, and I sit on these diversity and inclusion councils because I'm the head of the, excuse me, the veterans BRG. But, mm-hmm. um, so for me, it's just all, yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, okay. Can we, you know, continue to do what we're doing? How do we make our shareholders know money? <laughs> that's really what it was. Yeah. Now, granted, that stuff is really important. It's really because some people didn't get that education like our veterans got. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to play well with others, even if they don't look like us. Okay. So, that, and, and that's why it's important in, in corporations, they have to have those discussions. So, uh, but veterans, that's another superpower that we bring is we're all ready to go. You know, and even in some, I've read stories about the Marine Corps boot camps where they will take, you know, the, the guy from South Carolina with, with the, the Confederate tattoo on his, arm and put them in the same bunk as the guy, you know, from East LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Get over your your prejudices and your 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 business. And you know, it's not about, you know, where you come from, it's who you are now. It's it's, it's the crew you stand with now. I only saw sailors in blue and gold, right? Mm-hmm. And in Chancellorville was the first one I had uh women enlisted. I, I served in my very first ship was all male. Mm-hmm. My second ship I had a couple of women officers. Third ship we had a little bit more women officers. But that was the first ship that I ever had women enlisted. And you know what? That was the best ship I was on. <laughs> sorry, sorry, other <laughs> ship. <laughs> and I'm not saying you hear that we were the, the best. <laughs> we were the best. And I'm not saying that because you're on the phone, Kelsey, and you were one of the crew members. I'm just saying it was that was the best. <laughs> it really. I don't know if it was because I had women uh, enlisted or not, but yeah, it was it was great. We mm-hmm. had challenges, whatever. But the challenges were no different than the other challenges I had on the other ship. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was a really yeah, it was probably the best time of my my Navy career was was being on that ship. That's awesome. So if we've gone too long, let me know. I I have like three or more four more pages of stuff. Oh geez, well about. we'll I'm have to we'll have to do a part two for sure. Um, we are nearing the Maybe end of our you. our yeah. uh, our time here, but I'm so grateful that you reached no. out to me on LinkedIn and um, that we reconnected and we could do this because. I really think that this episode is so important for people to hear and especially veterans. And even we have some non-veterans that listen to our podcast. And I think it's important for them to hear too the struggle of the veteran and what we think corporate America was like before you were a part of it or, you know what I mean? Like it, so it's such a good perspective. Um, So thank you so much. For being on the show. Um, well, thanks for having me, and thanks for doing this. This podcast is it, it. It means more than you know because the struggle is, for lack of a better term, the struggle is real. But it, it really is. The truth, and it's not. You're not alone, and that, uh-huh. that's another horrible, you know, bumper sticker too. You're not alone. The struggle I, is I, real. I've got my <laughs> yep. I've got my Naval Academy alumni network, and man, those those guys are struggling, right? And these are officers with 
with good background, great education, some very senior officers, and they are struggling. And mm-hmm. so it's it's not uh, and unless you reach out and talk to somebody, and, and uh, you know, I give whatever amount of time people want, and I'll, I'll give them my whole download. And I try to be as direct as I possibly can uh, to let them know what this is about because it's tough. It's really tough. And, and I, you know, my wife, thank God, kicked me in the butt and said, "Hey, go talk to that guy. Go talk to that guy. Go talk to that guy." To to, to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Now that I'm in corporate America, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I be successful? You know, 340 person company like IBM, how can I make my mark here? That's yeah. my new struggle. Well, I think, I think you're killing it. So that's another <laughs> lame you. bumper sticker, but I mean it. I think you're doing a great job and I, I'm serious about part two. We'll have to figure out a time okay. to, to get more information. And, uh, Let me know. yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say happy 10th anniversary, but, uh, it's a solemn time. Yep. I'm thinking about what, what happened, uh, there and what you guys did. What was weird is I got stationed in Japan the next year. And so I saw, you know, the aftermath of mm-hmm. those stories with the people on the ground. So yeah, we'll do part two, but everybody else have, have a, a great night. If you find me on LinkedIn, it's Brian, Sean Fitzpatrick. Uh, at IBM, and you'll see all my Navy stuff on there too, all, all the fun stuff I did in the Navy. And I think I even have a line that says, if you're a veteran, look for a job at IBM, reach out, and I'll <laughs> do what I can to help you out. It, it's on my tagline. Okay? Perfect. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. All right. Well, that was awesome. I'm so excited we had him on the show. Thank you for listening to a Veterans Podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if interested in being on the show, You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Until next time.